All right, everyone, let's do this. How are you today? Good? That's great. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called Is Breakfast Included? Thanks for joining us today. If you're new here, thanks for stopping by. On the show today, we talk to Chris LaPlante. Chris is a guitar player, a guitar tech, a drum tech, and he also works in the film industry, and he talked about all that stuff, plus some other stuff. He's a really busy guy. He was just coming off four shows in a row, and he took the time to talk to us today. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We got to know him a little bit, and, um, well, he told us what he likes for breakfast, too. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. Let's check it out. Well, tell everyone who you are. Okay. Uh, my name is Chris LaPlante. I am a guitar technician and a guitarist. Uh, I tour uh the world i guess <laughs> i don't know how else to, yeah i'm a touring guitar tech and guitarist mostly yeah. I, cool. I i also drum tech and while i'm not home i work in art departments for productions for film right on man right on and and you live in in los angeles right now yeah currently i live in los angeles i've been back and forth a couple times between las vegas uh, outside of Las Vegas and Henderson um, and Los Angeles. I haven't decided where I really want to uh, plant myself, um, but right now I'm in LA. Yeah. For work pretty much. Henderson, that used to be a big area for like crew guys to live. Yeah. I'm finding this all out now that I don't live there too. Uh, Especially before the stadium was there. Like uh, Las Vegas was pretty uh, uh, economical to live in henderson it's awesome and yeah. honestly the price point for what you get if you're comparing environments I, i'm sure there's great living situations in la um you just have to stick around enough to find them yeah but um henderson's like was my first time moving out from the east coast and i have my best friend lives out there and it was just simple living that you could go if you had to work you know on the strip you would go there but you can escape that environment and be you know i'm pretty simple if there's a target and a coffee shop um and uh like an at home or home goods i'm set pretty much right right. yeah i don't need a whole lot oh where are you from originally i was born in massachusetts but i grew up in vermont so I moved, my family moved to Vermont when I was really young, probably before first grade. And then I started my schooling in Vermont and grew up there. Yeah, a pretty, pretty chill childhood. I just spent most of my time skateboarding and playing basketball. Um, and then I was introduced to heavy and just music in general, um, probably just at, at that time when you discover, I, I don't know what age it is, if it's eight, maybe. I mean, I was young and listened to my dad's music, but then my sisters, uh, and particularly one sister, would sh- uh, show me the pumpkins, and that pretty much changed my life. Right and, on. What, what did your dad listen to? My dad listened to Boston. Uh, so it was like kind of a plethora. So he definitely has Zeppelin Four, and I remember looking at that and listening to that. But the first, like, piece of music that i kind of really got excited about was thriller and um he actually just gifted me his original uh lp um of thriller just this past year actually uh so that's a nice little keepsake for sure gonna have that forever hopefully um but it was boston uh phil collins a lot of phil collins yeah um and probably stuff that I didn't really learn to appreciate until later. Right on. So your dad's probably about my age. Um, He is, he's in his sixties actually. Okay. So a little older. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a a youthful ear, I guess. Right on, man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting my, my first, I got thriller on, you know, my first copy of thriller made me the coolest kid around Mm -hmm. where I grew up (laughs) because it was so hard to get it, you know? It, yeah. it, was, it was. I think I bought it at a, or my mom got it for me at a Safeway grocery store back when you could buy <laughs> albums. You know. Yeah. Everyone, and 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 that's where she got it from me. That's crazy. I do remember 
they could be false memories, but I, I do like kind of go back and, and think about opening that record and seeing like the tigers and just listening to what I later learned to be, um, Eddie Van Halen, uh, just, just being super stoked and rewinding that I'm, I'm a, I'm a constant rewinder when it comes to like guitar parts or, or singing parts, like I'll, I'll kind of, it's, that's a weird trait. Actually, I'll, I'll rewind parts that give me like the chills and Dude. it's the same thing with movies, but, but I do remember like vividly, like listening to specific parts, even just like the opening, like of, yeah. the, of the solo, you know, the, the trem and yeah. That's the kind of stuff that makes me happy, actually. That's funny. You use that term false memories, you know. I don't know if they're I mean, sometimes we get creative. Our our brains are creative and they like kind of connect the dots, but and sometimes they that didn't actually happen, or at least with me. I yeah, I, I was just talking to a friend the other day and I said, I don't know if this happened, but I remember this. Yeah. You know, so, so I don't know if that's a, a matrix thing or you know, um, just a creative mind filling in the blanks. Right on, man. Right on. Uh, I like the fact that you just said that, that, that you'll rewind certain parts of music or movies because I'm a, uh, when, when Thriller came out and they, they, you know, that, that tour before I knew I was just a kid, it was uh, the Jackson's victory tour. Okay. But that's, that's what he toured with for Thriller. And it was actually the whole Jackson's, but they were followed or they were following the Van Halen 1984 tour at the time. And I remember that the local paper that we got, the Dallas Times Herald, I, I grew up in Texas. Yeah. Uh, Van Halen was playing the night after the Jacksons and Eddie Van Halen got on stage with uh, them. And okay. you can find, you can find that. Um, I'm sure I've that video it. on YouTube, it's terrible video, but it's, you know, at the time, it was a big deal because both those albums were just gigantic albums at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine the footage, uh, the portable cameras back then being like the <laughs> size of size of a chair. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny what you said that you stopped. That's why I got into the Van Halen thing because I went to a show. They used to have these big festivals before everything was a festival in Texas called the Texas Jam, kind of like okay. the California Jam. And I went to see. Uh, my first one was the Van Halen 5150 tour, and it was other bands, I think. Uh, Poison, I think, were on, you know, it was, it was like five or six bands. But I remember during that night, I was in the crowd with my buddies, and I remember uh, Eddie playing that one ending, uh, the hammer on riff of Dreams, you know? Oh. And, and I remember thinking to myself, like, getting chills hearing that and yes. thinking, I want to do something. I just want to be there. I don't care if I'm playing. I don't care. I want to be up there yeah. with those people. Yeah, and, I've, I've had the I've had those moments a couple times. Definitely when I was a child. Right sure. on, man. Uh, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, I would say nineteen around nineteen ninety five. My sister's boyfriend gave me an acoustic guitar, actually, yeah. or, or like left it and then eventually gave it to me. And I think my first song that I learned or like tried to play was Disarm, probably, mm -hmm. or, or Zombie, you know, uh, something like something that from 1990, well, that would have been 95. Yeah, Melancholy. Um, that was one, 1994 and 1995 were like the pivotal moments for me, uh, like when I was shown a bunch of different music. I mean, it was, it was older stuff, like, Ozzy, uh, but then uh, Dookie came out in '94. The Blue Album, uh, Smash, Offspring, and then the next year, discovering the Pumpkins, and then kind of backtracking to Gish and Siamese Dream. Uh, that yeah. was like a a really, and then uh, obviously, like had my moments with Nirvana too. So definitely an important integral time. Yeah, Siamese Dream is such a killer album, isn't it? I still I still sound check with um Cherub Rock. Really? Yeah, 100 percent That that you know, that that whole album when it came out, it was almost to me like the perfect album. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Such, you know, the way it sounded, the songs, 
it's like you know those cats were in a zone when they recorded yeah. and then uh oh no there was there was a story of uh billy corgan's strat that just recently he just recently got it back but it was the gish strat so yeah i was just this is such a particular sound that mm -hmm. i i gravitated towards so so those were your guys were those your guys that, that you kind of yeah i didn't influence like i didn't have well at the time also like i was really influenced by drummers because i grew up playing guitar and drums at pretty much the same it wasn't until recently that guitar um became more of a priority and recently i mean like during the pandemic i just didn't have drums and I haven't touched it except line check so line checks are with drums pretty pretty embarrassing at this point <laughs> but you know there's always time to go back in the shed and dust off the cobwebs but uh uh yeah so drummers uh, that time trey cool Grohl, um and then later taylor hawkins for sure uh i remember seeing him on an alanis morissette music video when i i didn't have mtv until about 1996 or so mm -hmm. cable um and yeah i just seeing it and it kind of shaped everything that i like whether it be like remo drum heads or zildjian cymbals at, at just like taking bits of other people's identity and kind of molding it into whatever i think i liked when did you start your first band i tried to teach like my friends guitar so that i could play with them or 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 drums in the fifth grade and i think it like I would try to play those songs like zombie or or something like that but it wasn't until uh well eighth grade i guess i had a collection of friends that we did something for a talent show we played damn it uh blink mm -hmm. and or we tried to we certainly tried our best but it wasn't until high school ninth grade when like the starting a band uh happened and it was usually with older older classmates actually i i in 10th grade started playing shows pretty regularly like at that time a lot of shows meant like three shows a month or 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 three shows every two months that was a lot um i joined a ska band where everybody else was like out of college and i was fifth i was 15 i think yeah just traveling around the tri-state area in a van you know or my car when i got my license i would drive to the show right on were you in yeah. ska music or was it just not really? I mean, band? I loved I loved uh, Less Than Jake, and uh, I mean, I had punk friends that like would show me, um, you know, fat songs for fat people, short songs for short people, and and like Operation Ivy or or there's a there was a I had there's a ska band called River City Rebels from my area that had a lot of like regional popularity and a lot of kids my age looked up to so i had a lot of friends that were into it but i gravitated a little bit more into um uh like saves the day and the get up kids uh and lag wagon no effects no use for a name just a, a lot a lot more of like well i had that's like kind of pre-emo stuff but like mm -hmm. also the, the punk rock strung out um like the the punk rock kind of stuff right on yeah. So what was your first band called? The first band that I joined and it was called the Bad News Bears, I think. Like like an actual band. It's a great uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the ska band was called TIP. And they were a band for probably 10 years prior to that. I, I was late to the I think they're still a band. They're still good friends of mine. They still play like every once in a while. But um you know, just life life gets in in the way, um, and but they still, I think they play like once or twice a year, but that was the first band that like kind of like, I think I think what happened was like I bugged them enough, and I had a half stack, so like at you know they're like fine, I guess you can play kind of thing, but looking back, but uh, it was definitely fun. Right on, man. So I learned right a lot for sure. That pays off just hanging around. You know, observing, observing how it was. I've actually, when at that age, it's funny, I'm on tour with Yellow Card right now. And I was around 17 or 18. I met Ryan Mendez, who plays guitar for Yellow Card, when he was probably 19. I don't know how old he is. He's not that much older than I am. Um, he was in a band called Staring Back. 
and we were playing shows with uh like another band that i really love that is still hitting it really hard is um a wilhelm scream they were called smack and isaiah back then and it was like the three bands that i loved and looked up to were like staring back whippersnapper and uh this band smack and isaiah who is now a wilhelm scream these are all like kind of guitar money uh pop punk you know punk rock stuff yeah yeah that's cool um what what got you into what you're doing now like did you start out teching did you start out yeah no uh this so i guess um i can continue that that history where uh that timeline where um i went to college after high school Mm -hmm. and joined another band in college that was uh called class clown and prior to me joining actually played a a show with yellow card in vermont where i'm from so it is all intertwined it's a smaller scene than than people think just in general like the rock music scene everybody kind of you stick around long enough you know a lot of people um and, and mutual friends um and uh what did I do? Uh, I went to I went to college and then graduated on time, but I actually had to leave my last semester and come to Los Angeles and record a record because uh, Class Clown uh, got a management deal and a recording deal, and that disbanded. And I was continuing to write. Um, for a new project and they allowed us to to record a record um with andrew murdoch um uh, his studio nicknames mud rock and i uh so during while i was still in college uh via this is before i, I think skype was around but like mm-hmm. i had like i don't even i had a macbook i guess one of those like first generation macbook laptops yeah. i'm trying to remember how how i pulled this off but i did somehow where the last semester I was in, um, living at the, at the, what is that called? The Oakwood apartments where Nirvana stayed during yeah. the, the Nevermind sessions, I guess. I, I didn't know that while at the time, but I, I spent seven weeks there and recorded a record with a, a dear friend of mine. Um, so how did I, that eventually that project was cool, but, um, it disbanded and got shelved the record is done and it's i'm really proud of it as a personal thing but like the world didn't get to hear it really mm-hmm. past past a couple tours and uh so not not a whole lot of notoriety with that but i think everyone involved in that project whether it be band members that came and went um it's a it's a very like now in hindsight a happy memory um and it wasn't until so at that point i moved back to vermont and like try i do like the workforce thing and yeah. um get a job i was uh bartending um it, uh, honestly it, i i had a lot of different jobs going on and uh, but i the one cool job that i had through high school and college was working at a video rental store and um that also kind of I was a film student in college as well. So that also shaped the other half of me, what I do now. Um, so I'm a huge like film score and movie fan. Um, and so I, after working there, I tried bartending and doing that. And yeah, if we want to talk about um, like recovery and being sober, uh, it took me a, a while to discover like this budding thing that like kind of, uh adding fuel to a, a a calmly lit fire and uh for for me uh drinking became the priority yeah. and and looking at it back at it in height in hindsight i would shape my day around it even subconsciously so not a whole lot of music or any aspirations were was happening it was more like a existence uh, pretty sad existence um for me uh and 
it only got worse. And, and when, when I mean like, you know, every, everybody's story is different that people get arrested, they have DUIs that they, uh, you know, a lot of things happen. Nothing really significant like that happened, uh, yet. I would, I, I like to say uh-huh. at that point. And so for me, I just got, I was tired of being sad and unhappy and and not having a productive solution so eventually i after trying to go to la again and and run away from problems but eventually moving back to vermont and then getting sober it wasn't until i got sober where this part of my life started to grow and i believe that if i didn't do that i would be either dead or just barely hanging on um so yeah my my next life really i was like my next life started in 2014 when i first got sober okay so during during this time where you're drinking and and just feeling like yeah nothing's going on are you um are you also in the mindset of like uh you know i could have been i could have done this i could have done that and you know like there's a mix there was a mix of like bitter jaded ego with uh-huh. a lot of insecurity and a lot of fear and apprehension to like try again so there was like oh i did this and and this but now looking at it even though it was a significant part it's i barely scratched the surface with a lot of things but the the ego or or whatever can tell you you know whatever you want to think and and you can believe it and for for me i didn't have like that was a, a great achievement for the amount of experience that I had, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so I was jaded, but, um, and drinking never makes, at least for my experience, it never makes anger happier or sadness happier. It, it, it just makes it worse and it, and it prolongs it. So after a while, resentment of my past experiences or whatever it was like started to dissipate and and with work of course uh for for me i had to do a lot a lot of looking inside myself and seeing what part of what part of like what 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 um i had you know part of as far as like accountability reasons things like that what was my part in those um experiences and uh that resentment and jadedness turned into a lot of gratitude and um over time it i started to become healthy again physically and a little bit more clear because when i when i stopped drinking even as an adult like i i could barely i couldn't even really like grocery shop for myself i kind of lost myself in a way like i i didn't have like an identity of like what or at least i lost it i wasn't playing music um and so it took it took a while and it, and it took a, a couple tries and after a year of sobriety things things get a lot clearer and um and for me i knew that i i needed to function i function best in creative like worlds and mm-hmm. i start, started writing music again with friends with childhood friends and that was kind of the start in the, of the okay that happened quickly um not sure if the band thing is gonna work but uh what can i do to get into the industry maybe in the the back door and and start networking myself as a musician what else do i like what can i do and i just kind of refer to my old experience of like helping local bands set up gear and and being a drummer and a guitarist i'm like eh, I'll, I'll fake it till i make it and yeah. and uh lo and behold at that time uh, a local band that I, I not grew up but when we were teenagers they had some success um i met the singer when he was 11. <laughs> he, he was a screamer in a, in a in a band on epitaph when he was mm-hmm. you know when he was 15 or something like that we used to trade shows because they were from new hampshire they're called our last night and which is awesome to mention because they were just on my our uh, falling in reverse's last tour so it was a it was a cool full circle to see them but um 
they took me out on my first tour. They actually asked me while I was still drinking and I told them, no, uh, I wasn't ready. Like I didn't want to, I didn't, can you curse on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to fuck it up pretty much. Like I, I knew it was like a good thing and it was something that I wanted to achieve, but I didn't trust myself until I had about a, a year of sobriety. So, um, and then, yeah, it, that's when that's when it started. My first tour behind the curtain was with Our Last Night, and it was in Europe, and it was a European headliner during what I, I felt a big record for them, and Europe loves them, so it was a great first. All right, here's some water, sink or swim, and um, from that tour, it, it just kind of evolved and and grew. And as you know, resumes build up if you're not a dick. If you're easy to live with, if you're a good hang and you're consistent with your work, you will go far in that industry uh, and just just make it happen. And that's, I mean, if you if we want to do the cliff notes of from there to there, I, I've worked with uh, quite a few bands that I listened to as a kid, and and it's just been it's just been a great experience of growth, pretty much. Do you like being a tech? Being being a being a, a guitar player, you know, do you like? Depends. Can it, you it, separate it? I I I can now. I can mm-hmm. now. I even maybe even two years ago, I I had trouble with it. Uh-huh. I, really, I really wanted to play. I had an itch, and you know, some some of my colleagues, my friends, I hear like the best techs are non musicians. Well, I I can uh I can say those are good techs because they are hyper focused on just problem solving and they're not distracted by their own like uh kind of their own goals like their their goals are already there but for me yeah always in the back of my head even when i was first going out on tour as a tech was like all right i'm gonna play i'm gonna c- continue to try to play join a band be it be a not necessarily not everybody can be thrice and have like uh childhood friends and 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 just like be a band for that long that's not going to be my story but at least like i would be in a circle of people that if someone were to get fired i could you know or or unfortunately get hurt that has been the case um i i could step in and yeah and, and go in that way now um I compartmentalize it when I'm on tour, uh, like as a tech for sure. Uh, I try not to be as like up here, uh, like the, the front, like in my, in my head, I, I try to compartmentalize it. I'm not like as opportunistic or like, um, blatantly like looking for something. I'm trying to stay out of the results these days. I know it's going to, I know playing is going to happen cause it already has, uh, but it's not going to be like on my time. You know, it's not going to be when it never is. And when you do get picked, I've noticed it's never like what I dreamed of. Like, all right, dude, you have a month to learn these songs and it's going to be great. You know, every time that it's happened, it's like, especially last summer, um, I had nine hours to learn 14 songs or something. Yeah. 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 Something ridiculous. So, yeah, I enjoy teching. It all depends on who I work for. Everybody that I work for now, I'm really grateful to uh enjoy on a personal level and a professional level so and it it took some years and some really nightmare tours and some clients that i would never work for again and you know it took those experiences to kind of lead me to um attracting great energy and that's important yeah you can't i i've been very fortunate in my career that I, i i started in the in the in the country music world and uh, yeah, that's a whole different world. Well, maybe sure. nowadays it's not because country's a whole different thing. Yeah, but it was more like a—I hate to use this word—but like a family. And sure. uh, I'm still tight with all of those guys. Here we are, you know, almost however many, almost 20 years later. I still talk to them. I still talk to the artists. You know, we, we'll text back and forth. But I, I've had a few gigs where I, I'm on there, and I'm like, you know, what what are you doing? Like you don't belong here. Just, you yeah. Know. Um, but for the most part, I think I've I've been very fortunate, man, that 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 I've and it's it's exactly what you said. It's you know, you put out good, good's gonna come to you, and you go through those, you know, those nightmare gigs, 
but yeah, yeah. thankfully I've only had like one or one or two and um that that's it I've been really lucky I, yeah. I I've heard more nightmares and and I don't know what that attributes I I I guess yeah I I, I will choose to believe the narrative. If you put out good energy and you're a good person, eventually good things will come back to you. Yeah. yeah. It's all about the hang, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, sure. t- yeah. I tell people the guy that got me into this business told me it's 90% hang, 10% gig. But I tell him now, I just talked to him a few months ago. I was like, it's 5% gig and 95% hang. Like, yeah. Uh, you can yeah, always learn the gig. 100%. Yeah. Not to downplay our position but like there's after a certain amount of years or a certain amount of experiences of thunderstorms and festivals there's only so much things that it all repeats itself like uh it's amps and guitars yeah there's a couple cables and there's powers and sometimes there's ground issues you ground it you take the ground off you 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 scan for a different frequency. It's all kind of like repetitive. Yeah. It's really like the pull out the oh shit cable. <laughs> yeah, the oh shit cable for sure. Yeah, I don't have one right now. Thankfully, I have like three backup wireless systems. But uh-huh. um, and knock on all the woods, um, I won't have to use them. We have three more shows, but I do have an oh shit cable with falling, and we haven't had to use it, and that's okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's like Murphy's law. It, it will happen. Anything that can happen will happen. So prepare yourself. But the rest is really like if you know when not to overstay your welcome in a conversation, especially if your crew uh, stay in your lane as far as business goes and things like that. Yeah. But then there's there's a sometimes you are really close friends with the band, so it's really up to the individual like myself. Uh, to try to gauge whether just because I have an opinion, do I need to express it? Is it my place? You know, things like that, because I get married to, you get kind of engulfed into, um, if you're working for bands that you love musically and people wise, like you kind of get molded into it uh, in a, in a way a familiar way, but you still have to really understand why you're actually there. And yeah, for, yeah. for me, for me, sometimes I can break that um, if if my opinion is asked. And uh, when I was younger, maybe I voiced it out of turn. But now it's more so like, if I'm not asked, I got to just worry about why I'm here. And my job is to make sure that the guitars are in tune and that they work. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I have to tell myself that all the time. I've been in my gig almost, you know, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see tour managers come and go, production managers come and go, Sure, you know, this whole production office. And I have to hold my tongue sometimes because I get very protective, not just my gig, but of the organization in general. Dude, absolutely. Uh, and, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have to realize that, Hey, that's above my pay grade. I'm not being paid to, you know, I'll let them make their mistakes, let the band deal with that. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I had this thing when I was, <laughs> I was younger. If like, uh, if like stagehands, and I'm not saying this about all stagehands, but some cities, some stagehands are intoxicated at night, and I would have to cut them because it's unsafe to pull gear, especially in smaller, smaller shows. And I'd be like, "Cool, well, I know the settlement says we paid for this amount, you know," and then it'd get all barky and like. it's egoic about it but like yeah it's not sometimes it's not my fight and there's someone that was hired to deal with that so yeah 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 i watched you know real quick i'll step off subject uh i i used to work door i used to work the door at a at a club in dallas called the galaxy club um Mm -hmm. and i remember this huge metal band showing up for a show Mm -hmm. and like we everybody was stoked because I won't say their name. I'll tell you when we're done here. Okay, uh, yeah. They the tour manager got out and counted the uh, stagehands, and uh-huh. he goes, uh, "We're supposed to have so many well, stagehands." And the guy's like, "Well, we got this many, you know." There, and he goes, "Nope, we're out of here." Mm-hmm. Got paid and left. Wow! Because they that were hard by one one stagehand short, and I couldn't believe it. Wow, that's tough. That's. You know, like- 
I mean, that happens a lot. That, that, that happens literally almost every tour. Maybe not these, these bigger ones. Like, yeah. But like, I, like, I remember like, dude, it, I, I remember thinking like, but that's, that's, you know, there's tour managers out there that are hardcore like that, that, yeah. you know, they just want to screw. Yeah. I don't know, man. But I thought that was crazy. And, uh, yeah. it's, I've never forgotten that day. Like the club owner was such a good friend of mine and just how defeated he had just lost thousands of dollars yeah i i think uh i don't know how to think about that because you're right there's some like there's like alpha kind of mentality in all industries and like like tough guy pit bull kind of like uh tour managers out there but um thankfully i i I also haven't experienced that too much uh like like working with them i've experienced them from other camps yeah it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make things better it, it, it like that that mentality actually just creates a bullshit environment to be in whether you're a tech uh because I, I i i forgot to mention that prior to going out on tour while i was getting sober i was working at of a, a nightclub a venue as a stagehand so i i know what it's like yeah. to deal with uh a variety of different personalities i would say and uh and I, I try to remember that too actually when if i if i'm doing five in a row or six in a row my patience and i haven't been to a meeting or whatever and uh my patience is wearing thin and and i'm about you know i i take take an inventory real quick because i i don't want to yell at like i don't want to ruin like what if it's the stagehand's first day and yeah and it's his his or hers uh first experience in the industry and i like like the, the only thing they'll remember is like this asshole that um, barks at them for something that's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to keep that in mind actually still to this day. And since the pandemic, you know, I mean, you know, this like stagehands are, you know, <laughs> everybody's first day is you, every day. Yeah. Every day. Everybody's first day is the day you're there. Yeah. And, and you know it. I've always because like you, like you, I was a local stagehand, and I'm I've always tried to maintain that. Not, I hate to use the word humbleness, but like, mm-hmm. hey, I remember when I was that, so I'm gonna talk to you. Like, like I, I should. Like, I honestly like that about us because uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm not oblivious to that. It's one of the gifts actually because I, I was so grateful to have a guitar tech when I filled in uh, this past year uh-huh. that. Like it made me appreciate, I don't know. It, it's just like, it, it's important to show appreciation because we rely on, yeah, it's a financial, it's a job, but like our energy levels, it's like a video game. It's like, like if there's positivity, it will fill us up. Yeah. If there's, if there's, if there's no one needs to hold our hand and say, great job, kiddo. But at the same time, it's nice when, it, when you're reinforced with positivity, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah. Positivity. Yeah. Um, speaking of the pandemic, you did something sure. pretty interesting during the pandemic. You were telling me you worked as a patient tech. Yeah. In a psych hospital. Yeah. 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 Uh, so was it the like first, the, was it like in the movies? Was there like it was, mystery? It was, it was like in the movies. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was like the movies and, and so much more for sure. Uh, I, I do have like, a passion and an interest in and in, in the psych industry uh, like well, not the psych industry but the psych field and um and how did that happen well uh we were certainly helped out um i i was helped out from a couple bands initially with mm-hmm. with COVID, uh, pay loss and things like that tours that were canceled but eventually i was in a new town I just had my best friend there, but he he and his now fiance were were back and forth living their own life, back and forth between like uh, in laws' houses and things like yeah. that. So like I needed, I was bored and and frankly like not socialized and and uh, with the exception of Zoom meetings, um, I didn't really have a social life and nothing was open and also. Um, I, I wanted to work. I wanted to do something. So I was just outside one day in my my new apartment complex looking around and I saw scrubs to my right. And I was like, oh, they're definitely not closing. 
and I didn't know it was a psych hospital. So I looked it up and, and it was, and got the job pretty, pretty quickly. Um, because there is turnover in that industry too. Yeah. Uh, especially techs, um, and nurses are like notoriously understaffed, but, you know, n- nurse to nurse to patient ratio is, is pretty intense in that industry. Uh, I keep on saying industry uh, in that field, I guess it's an industry, but I feel, yeah. bad, feel bad calling it like a transactional industry. Maybe it is for some people, but for yeah. me, uh, my experience, it was like a, a wildfire some days, you know, uh, I, my job was to manage patient, depending on what unit I was on, uh, manage like the patient's schedule of activities, monitor their behavior, record their behavior, um, and deal with their behavior when, when things, you know, would not be as, um, docile. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you're first to get punched first to hold someone down for um medication <clears throat> first to get a smile you know they're, they're, it's all over the place it, it, it's a big whirlwind of emotions uh-huh. and everybody is at a different level of illness when they're in there and um i was specifically working with kids and teenagers um usually if they were in the the foster system or or I, yeah, foster or, or parentless or um, usually SIs or like some budding attention seeking and just just different like personality disorders that are developing or, or, or not. You know, it's not my place to diagnose. I'm not a doctor, but I did pick up on a lot of things with kids. Um, and um, so I'd work with them. They kind of like chose me the tattooed guy to like work with the kids and then actually I used it to my advantage. I, I talked about music. I, I didn't talk about bands that I work for, but um but I, you know, there was a connection of media and some sort of, you know, thing where talking to a doctor with a face mask on is not as inviting as maybe myself talking about something if if the patients would choose to open up. Yeah. But then but then I would work in adult psych and that's a whole nother animal uh, where you have folks that really belong in jail. They just haven't filtered through yet. Uh, um, you have homeless population suffering from, you know, either schizophrenic schizophrenia or, or just different levels of, you know, uh, cluster a, as, as they call it um, just a different, different types of disorders. Yeah. Yeah. And as someone in recovery, as someone in a city where you don't know really anybody, like you said, you had no social life, not really any friends there. Sure. And then you, you kind of get into this. Like, did that affect you in any way or did that make you uh, did that? It kept, it kept it in the forefront. It kept in the mm-hmm. forefront. Uh, you know, there were no in-person meetings, uh, really, to my knowledge. I'm sure there was one or two of people that didn't comply to the ever-changing policy, but I was on Zoom a lot with a lot of my LA dudes uh, doing a lot of LA meetings. So I was, um, the quality of my sobriety actually really improved during the pandemic because I was going to meetings so frequently. But yeah, working at the place, it actually, there was a there was a, a rehab, not a rehab, but a, a detox unit as well. So it kept in the forefront all the time. Um, you do have to be careful with that kind of stuff though, too, is because you're like, um, or at least I do, um, you start paying attention to other people's issues and issues with drugs and sobriety and things like that. You, you can easily like not identify yourself at the same level as them. But for me, I have, it's a constant reminder that I'm just one choice away from being in that room instead of being behind the nurse's station you know yeah, yeah. Uh, to be not to be dramatic but but it, it is <clears throat> for for me to understand that was important so yeah being in the forefront um and and just staying in gratitude from where i was at in, in my life and trying to at least influence or help in any way sometimes you're they're not in a place to receive any sort of help like that but it really depends on the patient so sometimes you'll see repeat not sometimes you'll see 
repeat offenders and re- repeat uh, patients all the time. So it was uh, rewarding, uh, thankless, uh, all at the same time. It, uh, it depended on the kinda like kind of like being a guitar tech. It is kind of like being. A guitar. Well, I do feel really appreciated nowadays. Good, and, good, and uh, that's really awesome place to be yeah. in as a tech for sure. Yeah, yeah. especially this past year, I feel I you know feel like things are are going well, and for for the bands that I'm working for, so I'm happy and grateful to see that the success that they're bringing in for themselves. But then it. I it it kind of like allows me to I have a job to do, but it also like inspires me to spoil them too and do, do little things for them, whether it's little quirks, you know, that quirks that they have, um, fulfilling those. It's it's all good right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've noticed um since the pandemic, which it, it, early on in this podcast, I used to ask people, what did you do? You know, but it's that's tapered off because we're already in 2023 almost done with 2023 now can you believe that yeah um but i've noticed that a lot of bands um have gone to treating their crews differently like they're more thankful for what they you know my guy during the pandemic was doing these videos for instagram and i remember we were having a conversation and he thanked me because i was over facetime i was helping him set up bases and stuff so he could do these videos and yeah. he's like, I, I've always been so cavalier with your gig. Now I, re- you know, you know, but, you know, but I, I noticed that from him, but, I, but he's always been a very, like, I work for the best guy in the business. I, I tell people that's that. cool. Like, he's, he's an amazing human being. And uh, like I said, you know, I wouldn't be there 13 years later if, if he wasn't, but I've noticed from other gigs that I've, I've, you know, observed that. They're, the crews, their techs are being treated like a little better, not yeah. not not treated, but maybe uh, acknowledged a little more. Because man, we all lost something in that those two years. I mean, yeah, I think it was uh, it was financial for a lot of people. For everyone, it was financial, but we all lost a little part of ourselves. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wonder what what was my first show back? I forget. It might have been an Ice Nine Kills show, but oh, it was. I guess we'll get to that. But yeah, was that my first show back? That couldn't have been. I think my first show back was playing in fr- in front of like twenty thousand people. But I was also teching that day. So that that. But uh, during the pandemic, yeah, there were a couple bands that I had worked for over the, the year prior that really showed their appreciation you know with uh the insurance and and just in general or maybe not maybe it wasn't it just in general they they took care of they took care of us really well that's awesome man that's awesome because a lot of cats didn't yeah i i i'm extremely grateful to be a part of the you know the people in my life um be a part Mm -hmm. of their lives so they're they're good people i'm lucky you played with uh popped evil last summer yeah last summer that was a what they called you 30 minutes before and said learn this entire set list it was it was pretty much like that yeah <laughs> so, so i was i was in mexico with asking alexandria another band that i love working for uh amazing dudes that took care of me during the pandemic as well and um i was in mexico playing a show or, or working a show rather uh guitar teching for ben and i flew home and landed turned my phone on i'm sure my phone was already off airplane mode because i'm bad at that sorry air <laughs> industry but i don't think i've ever done that intentionally uh, uh and i to a bunch of texts they're like take the gig take the gig i'm like all right who, who wants a guitar tech now because you're right the pandemic a lot of people left the industry so yeah um so and then it started to, then I got a text from my roommate who was a producer and he was like, no pop evil needs a guitar player. And I said, when they're like tomorrow or, or like the next, you know, something like absurd, like the next day. And after further research of it, uh, I got the set list and it was a 14 song headlining, uh, like club headline club show set list. 
and uh, I got on the phone with the tour manager, discussed the situation, and basically I I got on the phone at 8 p.m. and they're like, "We got to fly you out tomorrow on a red eye to play a show the next day." So, and I had already this was a Saturday, so I'd be flying out uh, Sunday night. Sunday, mm-hmm. I already committed to uh, a commitment, an AA commitment of all things, and I couldn't back out on it. So I had a, a B of mine that needed my help. He was coming out of surgery, and an, an older guy, older rock and roll dude that is a, a good friend of mine, um, I had to babysit him and make sure he was taking his medicine properly or whatever it was. I was just needed to be there. So I spent, <laughs> listened to a couple songs that night when I got the phone off. I didn't even touch the guitar, listened to like some of the new songs and then uh, woke up early, started a little bit of learning the songs, but I had to drive to uh, Calabasas from Silver Lake and spend the day with with my friend. So meanwhile, I'm babysitting with the laptop open with my guitar and uh, like trying to figure out the keys. And yeah, I I think I, I got to 12 songs and the last the 14 songs were like an acoustic thing uh so we actually dropped those songs for the first show mm-hmm. i had a day off the next day or they weren't acoustic or they might have been acoustic they decided to do a clean guitar version of it it got switched but basically learned 12 songs within like 12 hours and uh performed that next day yeah and then was on tour with them for nine weeks uh, with Shinedown and Daughtry back to back. Right on. What was that like? Uh, Shinedown, I had toured with with Asking Alexandria and um, probably another band. I, I, I knew them at that point and they were really inviting. It was great to see their crew literally is the best crew. It, I mean, I know we all say this, but I for me, their crew are awesome they're great dudes they're amazing at what they do so i was excited to see all of them and the band um and the shows were amazing they were the biggest shows that i had ever played minus one one or two ice nine kills shows that i filled in very very briefly uh the year prior and Mm -hmm. uh, and uh yeah those were a lot of firsts on that tour i think it was like first like huge festival uh what was it blue ridge and after uh, not aftershock but blue ridge and incarceration i think there's a lot of festivals out there yeah yeah but uh but uh it was it was one or two of those and and my first uh arena show playing an arena show so first time i could request sugar-free red bull and pistachios if i wanted uh (laughs) you know first time someone would score my picks if i needed to uh, right on, man. I wasn't too. I wasn't too picky. No pun intended. So yeah, your your you main your main gig is falling in reverse. Yeah, right now. Yep. Yeah. How long have you been with them? I've been with them. I would say uh, the easiest way to answer is off and on for the past seven years. Okay. I started with them in 2017. Took a break uh, from 2018 through the pandemic and just start, started uh, working with them again. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you prefer playing or or being part of the machine? I definitely prefer playing. I recognize the importance of uh, staying in in a field and and having a job, uh, okay. and I'm happy that I found something that I enjoy still um, as a as a job. It's a wonderful job that um, anybody like. My, I, I could, you know, I've ever dreamed of, but uh, if I were to like really pinpoint like my goals, my, my goals are still to play on a consistent basis. I don't know what that looks like though. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to stay out of the results. Like I said earlier uh, and, and stay happy on a daily basis. Then like, then, then rather like, okay, if I do this, then this is going to happen. And then, then my life will be better. Like I, I, I used to think that way and it just doesn't, doesn't work out that way yeah. for me. Yeah, so, so I I don't I don't drink I don't I don't do anything. But I've always heard the term uh, one one day at a time. You come sure. off to me as a one day at a time. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, 
I, I think it takes for that kind of stuff. It, 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 it takes on different meanings when uh-huh. you, first, when you first start out, if you're really struggling with whatever it is, whether it's, um, any disorder really, or any disease, uh, mm-hmm. that is treatable, you kind of have to think about it on a micro level. Uh, for me with drinking, like, uh, my situation was that I couldn't go without a couple hours of without drinking. And, um, so I did have to break it down like as a day at a time, as far as like, if I didn't drink that day, that was a success. And eventually your days add up um if you are consistent to a a different solution than what you had tried prior and um yeah so the day at a time but then also now there's some stuff that i like to i i still do this but not as much but because i have a lot of support through friends is i like to um future trip and think about things on a macro level way too much and sometimes i really just need to stay present and in the day and Uh not think about next week and not think about a year from now or not think about why this hasn't happened you know really just think about what's in front of me what can i do as far as being a good person stay out of selfish and self-centered thinking and just move forward throughout the day and sometimes that's all that's all I need, really. I need to break it down to that small. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Some days I'm having a, a shit day, and mm-hmm. and and you know you you kind of go into with this mentality like Scott, just leave me alone, leave me alone. And then you might see someone in the local crew, you know, you something will snap you right back into it, going like, man, I've got a great life. Like, Absolutely, I could be them, or I could be that person outside of the venue, or you know, hundred percent, or just I don't know. Somebody will say something, you know. You'll walk by a conversation, and you'll hear like you know, somebody's talking about a family member's medical. You know, you hear shit, and and you think like, man, I was just complaining because they didn't have fucking Cheerios and catering. It can you always know? be. It can always be worse. Um, yeah. Yeah, I try to practice a a gratitude list every day um, in the morning. Uh, Sometimes I'm better at it than other days, but um, I try to keep that consistent because even if it becomes like an autopilot thing, sometimes I'll go through a gratitude list and not even think about it. But when you sit down and really pay attention to like what is happening for you instead of what's happening to you, uh, you know, the it could always be worse. There's always, always, be worse, always right? some. And, and that was, that was another thing that really was great about working at the psych unit is that it allowed me to like put my stuff that I thought were big problems, like aside, because there's someone struggling way worse yeah. with whatever it was at the time. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, in, no matter how bad it gets, you you didn't shit your pants today. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I like to say, uh, I I also believe that often things we worry about rarely happen. Um, and I that's what helps 100%. me with with the the future tripping stuff. Like, and if and if stuff happens that are it's out of your control, I know it sounds trivial, but like, you, whatever you're gonna do, it's not gonna prevent it from happening. You know? Yeah. So, well, right on, man. Well, what do you got coming up? I know you're on the yellow card gig right now. Yeah. So right now I am on tour with yellow card and doubling up with story of the year, doing guitars for both of them and, uh, stage left guitars. And right now I'm having a ball. Actually, I, this is like, a um, a huge, like bucket list band like uh, like these 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 two bands i grew up listening to i, I would uh-huh. say so like in high school and college like they i admired their careers how they handled things how they wrote songs um so it's nice to um have that full circle moment too to just be a part of it last night's show was amazing uh we have three more shows they're all amphitheaters close to sold out if not sold out it's been a really successful tour so everybody's like positive 
um, especially today when we have a day off, it's nice. Yeah. We're all relaxing and there's a tub. Thank God. <laughs> um, so I might bath bomb it later. Um, but, uh, and then next I have a, a few residencies in Vegas, like in between tours, uh, doing some Beyonce shows, Katy Perry and Ed Sheeran shows. And then, then falling in reverse goes out direct support with Avenged Sevenfold, another tour that I'm really excited about. Wow, so I'll be a five weeker. It seems like five and a half weeks, uh, spaced out. It's like Aerosmith schedule. It's like a couple shows a week, like three shows a week, which is, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it, if there's too much gap in between shows, you, I, I lose my, like, uh, whatever it, you know, my routine. It, um, so there's a couple of shows, I would say three to four shows a week. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I'm, uh, because of this tour now planning, uh, some pre winter stuff as well. Right on. I was yeah. fortunate enough to do that Aerosmith residency out there in Vegas. And I love that schedule. I, I was spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I came yeah. into that. And uh, me and one of the guitar techs, we just explored all the local Thai restaurants around. There's Vegas. great Thai. Great Thai oh, in man. Vegas. There's great sushi in Vegas. There's a lot of great things in Vegas, for mm-hmm. sure. The temperature when we were just in Vegas falling. Uh, I, I know you what how you feel, though. Like We had two days in a row at uh, uh, Verde. I forget what it was, Virgin. It's like the, it used to be hard, or it used to be the, um, yeah. or yeah. whatever it was. The one with the guitar in front. I, I should know this. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally two weeks ago. I should remember. Uh, but it was a great show. And what was awesome about it was that there was no loadout or load in for the second show. I just shut my guitar vault and called it a night. And Dude, those uh, walkaways are the best. Yes. It was so good. We have one coming up at Red Rocks. Oh yeah, I did. I just did my first Red Rocks show uh, with Falling as well on on that same tour. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful place in the neighborhood. Yeah, it is. You yeah. know, I when I first started touring, the first real venue I did with the artist was the Nine Thirty Club, which is it's always going to be my favorite venue. But my first real like. Uh, we went out with a band called Sugarland at the time as the opener, and it was Red Rocks. So my first big venue on tour was Red Rocks. Oh wow! And uh, I thought everything's gonna be like this. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> that loadout is a nightmare, though. You, you know, uh, the yeah, cross load, the cross load, and then uh, if you're direct support, you have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's loading out at the same time. Luckily, yeah, um, it's a lot of delegation over there. So yeah, not so much lifting anymore because I'm getting older too, and I don't stretch as much as I should. Might get into yoga, might not. We'll see. But for now, I'm just going to delegate. Well, brother, I do appreciate you taking the time. I know you're just coming off a few in a row, and we've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah, well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate TJ uh, introducing us. Yes, absolutely. TJ's like, I, I should even just make him an official crew of this show because he's 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 referred so many people to us. Yeah, I met him on Shiprock uh, the yeah. first year pre-pandemic. And yeah, instant, instant friendly guy. Such a good dude, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when he did this show, I went out to his place and then it felt like we had been friends for years. Yeah, that checks out. Definitely. Great guy. Well, thank you very much, dude. I appreciate it. No worries, man. You know, it's called Is Breakfast Included? And if it was included, what would we be having, Chris? For breakfast. Yes. Oh, man. I hate to say that I'm not a breakfast guy, so I would say a coffee, an iced coffee. That's it. Well, we'll just go with coffee. All right, man. All right. Sorry, man. Yeah, my right. my hunger uh, routine, you know, starts around two p.m. That's when I start eating. I don't pay nothing wrong with that. Yeah, well, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been good talking to you. I hope we cross paths, brother. Absolutely, thank you very much, All dude. Right. I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, bye bye. Chris Laplan, pretty cool guy, huh? Very interesting guy. Very humble. 
individual, someone who appreciates everything that his second chance that he's been giving, so to speak. Um, if you see Yellow Card or Story of the Year, that tour coming near you, uh, go check it out. And if you see him over on stage right, wave at him for me. Uh, I really appreciate him taking the time to do this. Like I said, he had a bunch of shows in a row. He took the time. Uh, usually after that many shows in a row, nobody wants to do anything. You just want to sleep and rest up. But no, he took an hour out of his day to talk to little old me. And I really appreciate it. Anyway, thank you guys. Uh, if you have a chance, stop by our isbreakfast.bigcartel.com. It's our online shop. Buy a shirt. Support us. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.